Welcome everyone to Rock'em Nation Podcast. This is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. We're on season six, episode 22. And we are here to talk all about your Missouri Tigers and their basketball program. I am your host, Sam Snelling. Back once again with the white vans, Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? It's been seven years since Daniel. Seven years. <laughs> that man is probably like in his first job out of college now. <laughs> he's probably ever known on the internet. He's probably got his white vans. Like he puts them on, you know, as he walks home from the office and like probably like Orange County where he's working at it and you know, a, a small hedge fund and thinks life was simpler. <laughs> Life was simpler back then. You know, much simpler than Missouri losing by 40 points in two games combined. Much, much oh. simpler. Yeah, so uh, last week wasn't great. And as uh, as somebody, I'm not really sure who, um, our, our esteemed colleague Matt Watkins brought it up in the chat today that somebody had pointed out to him that Missouri is like one in five and... and <laughs> Like podcasts uh that he is he's like following podcasts that he's recorded so uh so we're gonna like maybe put uh Watkins into off-season mode only um he will not be there to like preview any like big recruiting decisions <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna sideline him um Although it's sad because like I was kind of thinking he'd be a good guest maybe next week as we kind of are, are getting into the nitty gritty of uh, you know, trying to kind of figure out this this bracket stuff. Um, as Matt, as you just said, uh, the 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 combined uh, road loss to Auburn, which was as ugly as you can get. and then come home, try to get your revenge on texas a and m and and basically, just come out flat. Uh, and now like you're in a point where you're 500 league play. Um, there are four games remaining. Three of those games are against teams that are ranked below uh, 100 in the Ken Palm rating. Uh, that would be Ole Miss with the highest rating at 119, Georgia at 124, and LSU at 146. Um, those teams, I mean, have like a combined, uh, well, I mean, Georgia isn't too bad at six and eight. Um, but Ole Miss is two and 12 LSU is one and 13. Um, so combined nine wins. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I would, uh, not advise, uh, Missouri to get too far up the, uh, the, uh, linear progression of the F around and find out curve that <laughs> uh, I'm going to be family friendly here, but I would encourage them not to explore the upper bounds of that plot <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. Well, so let's, let's start. I mean, there isn't really going to be a whole lot to review here. Um, we recorded just before the Auburn game last week. Missouri went to Auburn Arena, a place that um, it, it feels like every time Mizzou goes to Auburn Arena that they just get blown out. That's actually not the case. Um, there have been a lot of close games. They've had some like rough performances. Uh, I think, what was it, Conzo's second year, they did sort of get their, the doors blown off them. But that, all, that was also like a pretty bad team that was competitive in the first half. And then Auburn made like I want to say like four threes in like the first two minutes, and it was pretty much over. That was the team that had to manufacture a lot of points with like Jordan Geis running the point. Yeah. Um. But other than that, like you know, Missouri and Auburn have actually played a lot of fairly competitive games. Um. Whether Missouri was good and Auburn was bad, or you know, vice versa, usually vice versa. But you know, those a lot of those games were competitive. Um. But this one was not uh, at all. It was final score eighty nine fifty six. Uh, I think I believe Missouri like missed its first like six or seven shots from the floor, and um, you know, and even Auburn kind of kicked the ball around a little bit, and you know, but they're they always kind of do that. Uh, Missouri just was never really able to kind of be in the game, um, and, and that was like evident from the tip that 
coming off a, a loss to Alabama, you know, Missouri was riding the high of, you know, the, the Dree Golston game winner at, at Tennessee. And it was just, it was just like a, a recipe for disaster. I, I think the hope for a lot of us um, was that, you know, maybe like offensively, they'd kind of figure something out. They could kind of shoot their way and, and at least make it, you know, a competitive game. I figured Auburn would come out pretty charged up, yeah. uh, and they were. Um, you know, and and Mizzou is a team that we've seen like they don't rebound well, that you know they don't defend well, uh, and if they don't offense well, um, that's like that's just a bad recipe for, uh, for for trying to get any kind of wins on the road. Yeah, these these games were sort of in the same vein, but. You know, I think Missouri did a better job on Saturday in terms of margin control, but you know, Auburn, you know, left a little bit of a door open for them in the first five or six minutes, and Missouri just couldn't walk through it. You know, I think offensively they just couldn't make a shot. They couldn't really get things that you know engaged in the half court. You know, teams have sort of figured out you know how to sort of find pressure points for this team. You know, Missouri will come out and usually try and something from either its triangle series or its pinch series or its point series. And teams figure out how to kind of like, you know, pressure entry points there, pressure, you know, handoff points, you know, really just sort of Missouri, even if they don't get anything out of the first action, it's a triggering thing and it gets the defense moved. It gets some, mat, it gets some switches occurring. It gets them to sort of that second, you know, set of stuff where sometimes maybe it's a ball screen on the side. Maybe it's a, you know, post up for Kobe, you know, it just, it gets a table set and it's just been really hard for that to happen. Missouri didn't get anything going, you know, offensively there. Then, you know, they just start kicking the ball all over the yard midway through the first half. And that's the last thing you want to do to Auburn is just let them start getting into transition. You know, Auburn's either playing in transition or they're getting on the glass and it just became a snowball and Missouri, you know, even when they did manage to get some things going offensively, they were just, they couldn't finish around the rim. It was probably the most disjointed offensive forms I've seen from them. You know, the season where if the offense isn't working to get you know some movement in the half court, then they're turning the ball over, and then when they are getting to the rim, they're not finishing. So it was just kind of an all systems failure there. The turnovers, you know, acted as an accelerant for Auburn. It just it got out of hand really quickly. And then I think they made them a, a tactical mistake early in the second half and starting to press because this Missouri team, um, uh, would you say that they are more prone to giving up the middle than some teams are usually with the press? So they couldn't get traps on the sideline. Auburn gets to the middle, starts chewing them up a little bit, and you know they're not getting the turnovers that they need to, and it just it, it, it spiraled on them. You know I think there were some things in the second half that you know. A, that could have been more pragmatic to try and get the margin down a bit, but Missouri opted to try and I think, you know, try and generate some turnovers and, and start slashing the lead that way. But it it was sort of, it's not a burn the tape type game. Cause I think there are some things that you can take out of that game, but it on the whole, it was just, you know, just a compounding effect every minute that seemed to went, go by in a lapse. Auburn hit a 90% win expectancy. Um, at 16 minutes into the first half. Yeah. So basically, basically four minutes in, <laughs> uh, or sorry, uh, 14 minutes. Um, so six minutes in, um, they had four kill shots. So kill shot is a, a run of, uh, 10, uh, points or more. Yeah. Um, their first one was a 25 to four run. um, they had a 10-0 run, a 13-0 run, and a 13-2 run. Um, so, uh, you know, like, I, I agree that this isn't a burn-the-tape game. I think there's always something that you can take away, uh, you know, from how you played and what you did and the decisions that you made and the scout that you had and all those kinds of things. Particularly if it comes down to the fact that you might see Auburn again uh, in the SEC tournament. Yeah. Um there's still a lot to be determined in in seeding for that. So, uh you you want to be able to like look at what you did and 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 be able to make some adjustments. Um 
very clearly, uh, shooting the ball um, better will will go a long way. Um, you know, I think Missouri like had two points after the you know at the first timeout. And, yeah, I mean, I think they only had like six at the second timeout. Like, it's just they just missed, can't do that. They missed and, three know, rim sh- three rim attempts <laughs> in the first yeah. three minutes. You know, they have a yeah. Dree misses a layup. Uh, Noah can't finish a a play where he drives baseline. Kobe misses a hook shot over a smaller defender. Like you, you don't want to say those are going to you know bring about a massive sea change there, but this is a team where you know we'll talk about it a little bit with A and M too. They need to get at least a toehold in a game offensively. You know. If only to get you know to let the press set up to get themselves back to get organized defensively, and you know it just felt like there was nothing that they could really do to stop Auburn's momentum there. They couldn't get a bucket to really just halt the momentum there at all. And you know maybe it's not going to make a difference in the ultimate outcome, but you can just keep the avalanche from starting, and they just couldn't find a way to manufacture enough offense to even make Auburn, you know, hitch its stride a little bit. It was, at least early on, there were there were some rim misses where you're like, eh, maybe it lets them, you know, get a little bit of confidence. Maybe it, it gives them some sort of toehold, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, so uh, that was a tough day. They dropped um, significantly in both the net and in uh in Kempom for the predicted metrics and uh and so you're kind of hoping that you would be able to kind of stem the tide you know Texas A&M is a team who very clearly they're not the same uh you know team that we saw in non-conference schedule they're playing much better they're playing together uh they're more consistent offensively they're still not a great defensive team but but they figured out very much who they are um and I, I, you know, I wrote this in study hall, and I, I, I still believe it that, you know, Texas A and M is not a is not a great team. I think in in a better version of the SEC, this this is a team that, you know, is probably on the outside looking in of the NCAA bubble. Um, and I only say that because of what they did in the non-conference also like if they put up that non-conference and the sec was the kind of league i think we like to some level we kind of thought we might get um you know with arkansas specifically um you know with kentucky um you know being better than we we thought they would be uh and i think this is this is a texas a&m that is nowhere near uh second in the league um they're they're a, they're a good team, but they're they're not a great one. And I think they've had some kind of some some luck in getting where they are. Uh, but one of the things that I and this is you know one of the things that I've always liked about Buzz Williams, um, even though I don't particularly enjoy watching his teams play basketball that often, uh, is his teams at some point in the season figure out who they are. And they're hard to move off that, and that's one of the things that is is nice. If you like, if he's coaching your program, is you, like the team that he's coaching, they're going to show up and they're going to be able to do what they they want to do. And for Texas A and M, it is hit the glass hard, get to the free throw line, um, and 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 defend well enough. Like th- this isn't a, the, the kind of defense I think Buzz is sort of thrown out there in the past, but, but they're good enough. Uh, and it's really helped them uh, to, to be, you know, one of the better teams in the SEC uh, to be the second best team uh, since the start of SEC play. Um, yeah, but it was definitely like watching the game. There's no flow. It's, it's stagnant. Some of that is like, you know, Missouri's kind of helping them out by, you know, not really being able to get into flow offensively. Um, but it was, it was, it was a tough game to watch. And I feel like your, your opponent kind of comes in, they, they turn the ball over 21 times. Like you should be able to do something with that. Missouri just couldn't. Yeah. Wasted opportunity in the first 10 minutes there, you know, they get seven or eight turnovers early. Not all of them are live ball turnovers, but 
A&M's not getting engaged, really not able to really get its sort of flow going. I thought they did a nice job in college station of, you know, after Kobe Brown went nuts in the first four or five minutes, A&M got into a pretty good rhythm. I didn't feel like they really found a rhythm until late in the first half when they started to extend the lead, but you know, Missouri got, you know, I, I think when I counted in the first half, they got 13, you know, live ball turnover and early clock opportunities. You know, usually one point per possession is average. Missouri put up 0.38. They just, they left basically eight or nine points on the board and didn't cash those in. Now, maybe that makes it 39, 33 or 39, 34 at half. That's, you're still trailing, but given that they were able to, you know, shave, you know, a 14 point lead down to eight multiple times, they could have overcome, you know, a two possession margin if they're down at the half. It just really felt like, they didn't cash in the opportunities that AM wanted to do. They got the turnovers they wanted. You know, they shot around 50% at the rim. You know, in half court, they were getting about one point per possession. So they were doing a lot of the things they needed to do to, to get into the game. They just didn't cash in rim opportunities to the degree that they normally expect. Same thing in Auburn. They, they struggled to finish around the rim at times, but they still shot two point, you know, around 50% inside the arc. Just unable to really, I think, close some chances to to make this a competitive game and you know this is a team that's the worst rebounding team in the country a&m is good at rebounding so because missouri didn't cash in those turnovers a&m was able to get on the glass you know and offset it a little bit and they were able to cash in their second possession so it just felt like you know one team not only dictated its pace you know the opportunities that it created for itself one capitalized and the other didn't and Missouri, you know, had, I think, four or five opportunities even in the second half to get it down to a two-possession game and couldn't do it. It just felt like a day where Missouri did about 80% of what they normally need to do to get a to get a result. And, you know, the, the stuff they whiffed on, you know, wound up, you know, being, you know, magnified a little bit more than usual. Yeah, Kobe Brown was a bit of a no-show against Auburn. Um, you know, but he was really the only guy that played well um against A and M it had twenty four points, uh six rebounds, um kind of continued his his sort of run here of uh really kind of making a push for um you know being an all SEC first teamer. Uh you know, but against Texas A and M he just did not get a whole lot of support. Um yeah, I'm looking you know, DeAndre Golston, uh just what two of seven? Um, you know Noah Carter is really kind of struggling. Um, he's been struggling around the rim. He hasn't hit a three in a few days. Um, yeah, he is. yeah. And it and it really kind of feels like I don't know. Is there an Isaiah Mosley sized hole kind of missing in this rotation at this point? Um. You know, like there was a tease of a you know period of a few games there where where Mosley really kind of was like a a you know a fixture. He was starting, and now we're kind of back uh, to where things were earlier in the year, where there's just sort of like this question mark, and you know, like the the, the line hasn't changed. It's you know personal matter, not disciplinary, but he's not going to play. Blah blah blah. Uh, and it just really it 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 feels like there's a little bit of a missed opportunity, um, you know, for, for Isaiah and, and for Missouri as well, uh, you know, and the, the way that they've sort of lost now, I guess, um, you know, three of the last five. Yeah. The, on the Noah thing, the offense, you know, has clearly been, you know, absent, you know, even if the offensive rings have been good, you know, he's not, Shooting the ball particularly well. I'm looking at this here, 05, 07, 1 of 11, 1 of 14 in the last five games from three-point range. I'm going to say he's, he has not hit a three since South Carolina. Yeah, he is 0, he of, not hit 0 of 7 multiples. in the last three. I have not hit multiple since LSU. <clears throat> yeah. So that's that's a problem there, especially because if you are exchanging him for Modiara, you're not getting near the offensive production. You're taking a guy out of the lineup who can manufacture offense and, you know, 
Mo is big, but the the plus minus data with Mo on the floor is still pretty gnarly. So you're you're I get why fans are somewhat exuberant around seeing Mo playing more, but you're really still buying into flashes with Diara and you know, he's still a guy, you know, I think it's minus seventy six. I think people are just excited for the possibility that uh, he brings that Mizzou might get the rebound. Yeah, I think that's it. But <laughs> Missouri is still giving up. When he's on the floor, Missouri's still giving up a 40% offensive rebound rate. It's not denting really anything there. The rim, and as I wrote a couple weeks ago, he's not around the rim enough at times to really make a difference there. So at this point, really the exchange is that you need – Noah on the floor because he's going to give the offensive punch that Mo doesn't give you. And that's lacking. And to your point, they don't have a guy right now that they can get the ball to and, and sort of go create offense. I know Dree does that at times, but you know, not to the same level of efficiency that I think you would get from Mosley. And if you were to look at the, you know, again, if you look at sort of the impact numbers, the guys who have the most impact on Missouri's, you know, efficiency margin when they're on the floor is Kobe, then Des Moines Hodge, and then Isaiah Mosley. It's that's it, and you know you can isolate Dree. Dree's not, you know, killing them, but Mosley's better for this offense, and then it allows you, as we pointed out, for to kind of shift guys into some more natural roles. It's and there's the possibility that the guy can create offense individually. And you know, shoot you know efficiently in the mid range, so there there is a hole there. And you know, even beyond that, they're down to basically a seven man rotation now, and they're trying yeah. and they're trying to play fast and they're trying to press and do that in February when guys are already sort of dragging. So it's you know, if they're not going to change the way they play and they're going to do it with seven guys and they don't have you know Noah giving them enough you know, offensively and, you know, they don't have, you know, Mosley around, then it's, it's the math gets really hard and it just compounds the stress that you're going to put on, you know, Kobe and on Des Moines Hodge to carry this team. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to see the Mosley situation resolve itself. He hasn't really played a lot on the road for them this year. And so it kind of feels like if you're going to see him, you know, I, I agree with what Watkins said earlier today, which is it kind of feels like tomorrow night sort of the you, you need to see him tomorrow night just so he can start to get in a rhythm, you know, going into, you know, postseason, presuming that he's available, you know, in the mm-hmm. postseason. If he's not playing a lot on the road now, there's really only two home games left and you need two wins to at least get to 500. But then you got to go to Nashville and you're in the NCAA tournament. And so it kind of feels like you're reaching a point where if the status quo is going to remain the same, he's only going to really play in home games. You know, it's sort of put up or shut up right now for them. And, or they're just going to have to get used to, this is the crew they're rolling with and they're going to be shorthanded. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but it's, you know, time is running short now. Well, at, you know, Trey Gamillion, uh finally returned to, to action after missing seven games. Uh, we have not seen him since the Alabama game, but he only played three minutes. Um, yeah, you know he he did have a a sideline turnover uh, was really the only stat that he logged. Yeah, um, you know I like <clears throat> Trey isn't really a guy who I think you expect a lot of offense from, but but just having another body yeah. would I I think kind of help this team a lot and. Uh, and yeah, like it, it does just sort of feel like, you know, what was one of the strengths and, you know, the, like the high end talent on the roster isn't necessarily there. I mean, I, I think we all uh, recognize at this point, Kobe Brown's a really good player, um, you know, but any other, there's nobody else in the roster that's kind of making a, an all SEC level push, you know, Des Moines Hodge is, uh, you know, come back to earth a little bit. Um, you know, he's still prone to like big games. He's still a very, very important piece to the, to the rotation, but Mizzou kind of had like a strength in numbers thing earlier in the year. And without, you know, without Mosley, uh, you know, without Trey, without Ronnie DeGray, like all of these guys kind of being able to chip in a little bit, uh, it, it just does, it does feel like they're, 
just sort of running a little bit uh, depleted. And, you know, I think you, you, you credit Modiara, but in, instead of him playing like 15 to 20 minutes, I think you're probably feeling better if he's playing like 10 to 12 minutes. Um, and, you know, maybe it's just me <laughs> wishing that Aiden Shaw was a little bit better, but I still think like there's got to be a way for you to get him like a minimum of eight, like eight minutes a game. That just doesn't seem like it's, it's happening on a consistent basis. Yeah. I was going to, you know, Ryan Gray hasn't played since, you know, the home game against Alabama. And even then it was five minutes, you know, he hasn't really seen consistent, you know, double digit minutes since late December, you know, well, and he hasn't even been dressed out. Yeah. Like the last what, well, like couple what, weeks. That's what I'm saying. So even before then, you know, most of January, he, sort of gave way to Modiara, who has sort of taken his minutes. Aiden Shaw's, you know, not at an unheard of sort of level for, a, you know, a prospect of his rating. But it's, to your point, there's a seesawing effect of where, you know, he'll play against Arkansas, Alabama, and Ole Miss. He was getting 10, 17, 10. Then only six minutes against Iowa State, seven against LSU. Took that DMP at Mississippi State, nine against South Carolina, 10 at Tennessee, 20 at Auburn, which felt like most of that was in garbage time, then just four minutes against Yeah, that was, that was really like a – well, and also like Auburn is one of these teams that's really kind of athletic, and Aiden is very clearly the most athletic guy in the roster. So I think there's the opportunity. I, I kind of feel like there was a similar thing that happened against Arkansas uh, and probably Kansas earlier this year. You know, when, um, you know, when you just needed like somebody who could sort of compete athletically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, I think that's sort of been, you know, Alabama needed him because he can be, can be athletically with that group, but he hasn't been getting the consistent minutes since non-con really it's yo-yoed since the trip to Wichita state, you know, Dennis has, you know, mentioned, you know, in the past, you know, he wants to see more consistent rebounding out of him which to a certain extent I get, but, you know, I think you want to be seeing him at least, you know, 10 minutes a ball game to really just sort of ease the pressure here. That So I think that's, we're, we're saying the same thing. You know, if you have Isaiah Mosley playing 20 minutes a night, that's 20 minutes that you're not having to spread around the rest of the backcourt. If you've got, you know, Aiden Shaw giving you 10 to 12, that's a little bit easier to absorb. It allows you to, you know, press a little bit more and have the intensity up because you're going to be able to let him soak up some minutes. So we'll see. Well, even like, you know, th- like on, on Golston, Golston, uh, you know, I want to say it was at like 36 minutes uh, against A&M. And, you know, he's a guy earlier in the season when the depth was better, like he was right about 20, 22, 23 yeah. minutes at, at most. And, um, and so like, it is one of those things where, you know, as we're getting in, we're in the, you know, the final four, four, Four game stretch of the regular season. So there's there's two weeks left, four games. Uh these are all like important games. Every I mean, every conference game is important. But what you're doing right now is you're really trying to fight for seeding. And all four of these games are winnable. Like you can beat Mississippi State at home. You should be able to beat Georgia and LSU on the road, and you definitely should beat Ole Miss at home. Yeah. So like if you're talking about the possibility of you know getting somewhere to eleven and seven, you really probably want to get to ten and eight. Uh, nine and nine is not looking great. Uh, at, at at least you know for for your conference seeding, I think nine and nine might still get them into the NCAA tournament, but you're probably looking at like a ten or eleven seed. Um, but if you're if you're at ten and eight, you're probably still in like the eight nine area. If you can get to eleven and seven, like you know. Maybe you're high eight, like low seven. And I think like like that's what you're trying to fight for here is 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 a is a better seed in the conference tournament, better seed in the NCAA tournament. Um you know, and it's four opportunities. Like we've we've talked enough about Mississippi State. We know what the pitfalls uh there are. But you know, a lot of people maybe aren't paying attention to Georgia. Uh Georgia just got absolutely housed in Alabama. Like I feel bad for anybody who has to play Alabama after they've lost 
because that is no. Yeah, they just go uh, like two games. Yeah, they just went and and two games that they came back home and they beat the absolute stuffing out of Vanderbilt, who is, uh, you know, Bandy's proven that that they're a better team than I think we all maybe expected. Uh, and 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 Georgia kind of took the brunt as well. Uh, you know, but Georgia's six and eight in league play. Yeah. Um, beat Kentucky. You know, beat. They, Beat Mississippi beat State. Auburn. Yep, they've. And the thing about it is that Auburn win in Athens, Mississippi State in Athens, Kentucky in Athens. They they've been good at home. They've won. I'm looking here. They've won four of their wins are at home. So they're they're looking like a team that's going to get to 500 at home, which we talked about in the SEC. That's how you get to nine and nine. You try and, you know, at least at worst get a split and try and hope you can pick off some weaker teams on the road. You know, it's going to be tough sledding for Georgia. They've got Arkansas, Missouri, Florida, you know, in their next three. I think it's going to be hard for them to get to 500. But, you know, Missouri's, you know, number 62, not, you know, you know, not particularly good <laughs> at, you know, on the defensive end, has not played well on the road. Florida does not have Colin Castleton. Arkansas, they look like a completely different team without Colin Castleton. Yeah, they look totally different. So you're looking at eight wins there, and then they get South Carolina you know, to close the season, you know, Mike White's got a crew that he can look at and say, look, we, we do our job. We go three and one. We're nine and nine, you know, we're not making the NCAA tournament, but that's an NIT possibility for them. So that they've got stuff out there to play for. This is a team too, that they are turnover prone offensively, but they're top 100 in getting on the glass. They defend the three point line. And, you know, I, I just, this they is, generate free throws. They generate free throws. They they do all the sort of things that, you know, they're experienced. You know, they've got you know, a good point guard in Justin Hill and Marjorie McBride can shoot a little bit. You know, Braylon Bridges is 6'11", and a veteran fresh, a veteran big. Frank Anselm, 6'10", can eat some minutes. You know, they've got some size. So this is a team that, you know, has played well at home. They've got some pieces that can hurt Missouri, and they can, you know, frankly – Again, hit Missouri at some pressure points. It's it's a game, too, that if you look at what's been happening over the last couple of weeks, this was a game two or three weeks ago that Missouri was about a six or seven-point favorite. It's come down now to, I think, about two and a half points or something around there, 2.7 points. It's like the average predicted margin here. That That's toss-up. It's come down from a likely win to a toss-up for him. And if you're Missouri, you know, the value that Missouri has right now, as much as, you know, we talked about the quality wins, it's, they don't have any blemishes outside of quad one. They've taken a bunch of heavy punches in quad one, but they haven't, (laughs) which that's the other variable we have to consider. But right now, one of their chief arguments for being in the tournament is they haven't done anything stupid. They haven't dropped any game that they were expected to win. There's some toe stubbers that could come up here, and George is one of them, I think. So if you're Missouri, you know, there's, I think the amount of wiggle room they have is probably less. And I think they're not in jeopardy of missing the tournament, you know, right now, but you drop two this week, that's four losses in a row. You know, now you have to win the last two just to get to 500. That's that's not a place you want to be. This is a week where, one in one is is the minimum here. You know, we can talk about what happens. You know, four and oh, they're safe. Three and one, probably safe. Two and two, you, you get into you start getting into a gray area, where yeah. you know, as Watk, as our you know as Watkins will point out, it's probably seventy thirty what you do and thirty percent what the bubble does. You don't want to be in that in a position where you're looking around at what the bubble does because, you know the NCAA committee too will largely follow strength of record for putting you in. And then they'll largely follow, you know, what the net ratings are for seating. And they'll do that up until about what, like the eight or nine line, but between nine and 12, it really comes down to the whims of the people in that room. And you don't want to be in that position where they're really parsing your team sheet because that's when stuff like being 62nd in Kim Palm, being poor on defense can come back to haunt you. So there's no reason to panic at this point, but you know, a lot of people I think took, you know, these three games at the end of the year as bankable. 
the, with the way Missouri's rotation looks right now, with the way it's played recently, you know, I think it's it's a little bit of sobriety is probably called for as you as you get through this week. Well, and I would also like, as we've said multiple times in the pod, like winning on the road is really tough. Yeah, winning on the road in the SEC is 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 really tough. Um, you know, Georgia, like you said, they have they have a lot to play for. Um, I don't think many people expected them to be a team that had a lot to play for, but they do. There is some potential for quit in LSU and and Ole Miss, but if there is, like we haven't seen it. Um, Ole Miss looks scrappy this weekend. Yeah, Ole Miss nearly nearly beat uh, took Mississippi State to overtime at, at their place. Nearly sank their bid opportunities. Uh, you know, LSU lost to South Carolina, but that game was actually pretty similar to how they played Missouri, where South Carolina like bombed LSU early, and they didn't go away. Um, you know, so like, I don't. I don't think it's very likely that Missouri basically loses out here. <laughs> um, I just, I think that, you know, one of these games they're going to catch, you know, a heater and, and probably win handily. Um, you know, but when you're, when you're talking about like what games you can expect to win, like there isn't any game r- remaining other than maybe Ole Miss at home. And that's because it's, a team is not very good, hasn't played very well on the road um, coming into into your joint. And by that point, I mean, coming up for, for the Rebels, uh, they've got Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, Missouri. But, yeah, it's like a one and four finish. So you're probably looking at, you know, being three and like 15. Yeah. Um, Kermit's get, probably going to get fired. Uh, you know, so it's just like, how much well they've given up the ghost by then yeah like uh, how how competitive will they be i it's a it's still a pretty talented roster like yeah. like matthew morell is is a is a good player jamin brakefield's a good player jamin brakefield's a good player um if if they if they can be disruptive defensively we've seen missouri doesn't shoot the ball well like i just the way that this missouri team is built if they struggle to score, um, it's it's problematic. Now, I I do think them being at home helps that game. I'm really really curious what happens tomorrow night uh, against Mississippi State, um, because like we saw them absolutely get shelled uh, by Mississippi State's defense, um, and just couldn't couldn't do anything. Lowest point output of the season. So what what do they do this time? And defensively, it's it, you know people have looked at what they've done offensively and the struggles there, but they've been giving up one point one five points per possession in the last three games. The the you know the defense just you know the joke is they got to get to seventy. To me, they it's it's eighty. They've got to get to eighty in the, every game to give themselves a shot. You know. Iowa State game now is standing, you know, where they got to 78. But, you know, to me, it, it's got to be 75 or 80 on the board to to give themselves a chance because the defense is just that leaky. It's, it's I don't think there's any other polite way to say it. They're going to get pounded on the glass, and they're probably going to give up at least one point per possession. So in a 60 or 70 possession game, you know, 70 is not one I think you can feel good about. I think they've got to get 75 or 80 to feel good here down, you know, every time out and the, and that's hard with, with the way the offense is operating right now with the personnel that they have. It's maybe not against the Bulldogs, maybe not against the Bulldogs, but we said that the first <laughs> time and they, and the Bulldogs absolutely. Bulldogs uh, only scored uh, like 0.94 points per possession in the first game. Um, and that was at home. So hopefully, uh, but so what has Mississippi State done here recently? Um, coming off the TCU loss, uh, beat South Carolina, Missouri, LSU, Arkansas, lost Kentucky, beat Ole Miss. Um, were, so I mean, 
the Arkansas win is a good win. That was on the road. TCU win. Um, they didn't have Mike Miles for that one. There were two guys out for that. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I think at this point we kind of know who State is. They're a good defense. They're they're going to be able to keep the points down, but they're still going to struggle to score. Um, you just hope it's not one of those nights. I think where. Uh, you know, one of these guys actually makes a few three pointers because uh, you know, like that that can always happen. Yeah, and that can change momentum. But but Mississippi State is one of the worst three point shooting teams in the country. They're three hundred and fifty ninth in the country. But they can go get those misses because they're twenty fourth in offensive rebound rate. So they can go get it. They can go fetch the miss. Yeah, man. The, they, they were three of twenty against Mizzou, and absolutely like, shelled them on the glass. How how do how does this team attempt twenty three pointers? A nominal number to just keep Tolu from being absolutely swamped. Uh, <laughs> but but this is a big one tomorrow for for Mississippi State. They they have they can maybe give one game away, one game away. But they can't give two away, or else I think they're going to be sub five hundred. I think that's you know they just and the rest of the rest of their schedule is tough too. So they're at Mizzou. This is their yeah. They've got A and M at home. They do have South Carolina at home. That should be a win. South Carolina actually does play pretty well on the road though. Yeah. Um. But they got to go to Vandy. They get, they get yeah. They get it. Yeah. Go to Vandy, and you know, for anybody who hasn't been tan- paid attention to Vanderbilt, um, you know, Vanderbilt's now won five in a row. Yeah. They're, they're they're making a push. So for them, you know, what Mississippi State needs now is are quality wins. You know, this is a quad one tomorrow for them. Texas A&M home is a quad one. Vandy is quad two. But the next two games for them, they have to get one of them to probably, you know, or ideally both if they want to stay, you know, in the mix for a bit. You know, they've got – you know the the Marquette win has aged very well for them. Uh, they got a a solid win over Utah. Um, the TCU win is looking really good. The Missouri win looks good right now. You know the road win at Arkansas, but for them getting another quad, you know, another one or two quad wins, quad one wins would probably do the trick for them. But more than anything, they've got to get over five hundred or get at least two 500 in SEC play. So tomorrow night's absolutely pivotal for them to try and do that. And I, I, you hate to say it, but this Missouri team, whether it's, you know, time of the year they're tired, whether it's, you know, just been rough starts, they, you, you want to see a sense of urgency from tomorrow, from Missouri tomorrow night coming out. Because at this point, you know, this is a quad to win for them, but it's the last modest shot they've got to put something good on the resume. After that, it's it's just they are having to keep from making mistakes, and then they're just having to wait and see what happens around them. Everyone else can improve their team sheets. After tomorrow, Missouri can't do anything other than wait. So, you know, if Missouri, you know, would like to ease some pressure and make a modest boost to its team sheet, getting a result tomorrow is probably would probably be encouraged and then not making a mistake at Georgia. So as we said before we broadcast, just win games, just resolve this by winning. Just don't. Yeah. I, I think like, that's like the, the biggest thing here is, you know, when you're, um, yeah, when you're, when you're talking about all of the bubble stuff, there is no set hard number of what you need to get to because, like you just don't know what else is going to happen on the bubble. Some teams are going to play their way in. Some teams are going to play their way out. You don't want to be a team playing your way out. And so how do you accomplish that? You win as many games as you can. Um, Missouri is fortunate in that the last, really the last five games on their schedule were all winnable games. They've already lost one. Um, if you want to win all of them, go win all of them. Like I don't, I think anyone's going to complain if Mizzou finishes eleven and seven, 
even if they're bolstering some of those wins over over some bad teams. Um, that you know what, like that's how a lot of teams get in is they beat who they're supposed to beat. And right now, like you said earlier, like Missouri has done that. Missouri's beaten everybody they're supposed to beat. Uh, they've gotten a couple nice wins on teams they were not supposed to beat. Um, and and honestly, like that's usually enough. Just lose lose the games you're supposed to lose, win the games you're supposed to win, uh, and and you usually are in a place where you can you can play in the NCAA tournament. Um, Mississippi State has the thirteenth best offense in uh, in the SEC. They are better only than LSU. Um, their defense is fourth, Matt. They're pretty good. They're, they, they... Their, their efficiency within conference is still at like a minus two, though. Yeah, it's... They don't score efficiently, but... <laughs> I think we know that. That's the... the... There's only so many people say this. This is... I've made the joke with with Watkins that this is Missouri feels like a team that's you know been driving the last month or so like on a quarter tank and just trying to get from gas station to gas station you know they when you look at Torvik they've played like the number 72 team in the country since January 1 you know they were number 41 you know from you know the start of the season to you know whenever they opened up against Kentucky it's been a team that you know, I think a lot of people, you know, would say, you know, what you know, what does non-con matter? You know, what does garbage time matter? All these possessions sort of add up, and all these things coming together at the margins, and then you get to this time of year and you start to look at it and you go, yeah, all these things that seemed inconsequential at the time, you know, not being able to, you know, keep margins, you know, wide against USI, or not being able to, you know, keep the margin wide against Vandy or LSU or Penn. That comes back to haunt you because that's some buffer for nights where you get absolutely torched by Auburn. But then, you know, okay, maybe you take a bad loss, a heavy loss to Kansas. Maybe you take a a bad day against Alabama. But then there's that trip to Texas, A&M, and then there's the trip to Auburn. It, all this stuff, you know, people want to gripe about, you know, we should just judge teams by the games they play. This is what the body of work looks like. This is we're judging teams by the games they play. And Missouri for right now, again, not to be alarmist, they're they're fine right now. But when you really look at what Missouri's resume is, they don't have much of a margin for error if they don't do what they're supposed to do. And to your point, this is what the last two weeks are. If you are an NCAA tournament team, you take care of your business these last two weeks. Will it get you a six or a seven seed? No, we don't know what the rest of the country is going to do, but it's going to get you in the tournament, and that's the that's mission critical right now. So we'll see if this team can do it, because if they mess around too much, there's you know the resume is not bulletproof. There there are things that could that could put them in peril, but only if they only if they you know put themselves there. So they they're they're in an okay spot right now, but if they wind up in jeopardy it, it they're it's it's not like they're gonna you know be able to blame the committee for you know making a mistake with them they've they've offered up enough evidence if they want to make put that into play so just don't do that right so yeah that's just sort of looking at like the conference only numbers on on ken palm and um was struck because like texas a&m for most of the year has not really been all that good defensively but they're actually third in yeah. conference only defense and second in in conference only offense, so they're uh they're actually ahead of Mississippi State. So I don't know, Missouri. Let's let's do what we can. Let's drag Mississippi State's in conference defense down a little bit and and drop you know eighty five on them, uh, and see if they can score eighty six. My 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 bet is uh would would be that they cannot score that many points. I'm gonna flip the tables. What do you think they do this week? What what is your prediction for for this week? Oh, I don't know, man. It's like this. So I, I'm trying to remember what, if it what, was it Watkins that brought this up. Uh, somebody 
brought it up about basically Missouri, Missouri being like the least one of the least consistent teams in all power conferences, which is uh, essentially like How a warning they- from yeah from Vegas to be like yeah bet on this team at your own risk like <laughs> like this is not when we talk about this is not a team that you want to want to necessarily bet money on when you talk about luck or consistency Haslametrics calls it calls it consistency kim pump calls it luck it's how often does a team miss the predicted outcome missouri is 349th in division one for consistency so Mm. they are a team that either wildly overperforms or underperforms what the metrics are saying so like earlier i mentioned you know here's what the predicted metrics are saying which is you know tomorrow night is basically a toss-up and they're a slight favorite on saturday how much stock did you put in that i don't know because missouri either wildly overshoots the number or they just absolutely flop and that's what happens when your defense is bad you can't keep teams off the glass and you're relying on high variance shooting that's that's just the way it is so you know, maybe they absolutely torch two teams this week and everyone's talking about they should be a seven seed or maybe they go 0 and 2 and we're having discussions about whether or not they've fallen into uh, needing to make an itinerary out for Dayton. Both are <laughs> both are completely within the realm of possibility given, you know, how this team tends to perform. So maybe we'll have no, there's some real fun or some real, real, a dark chatter next week when we come back together. So they they really haven't had a whole lot of we don't really have a lot of evidence that says this team is going to be bad uh, on offense three games in a row. Um, even though they are a inconsistent team, uh, I'm going to say that they beat Mississippi State. Uh they don't go nuts, but they go well, let's say they hit like 74, 75 points. Um for me it's more about like the points per possession. I'm gonna say Mississippi State hovers around like one point oh three and Missouri hits like one point one. Um maybe one point one two and they're able to able to win that game um, with some level of comfort, and then because I'm a positive guy, uh, I think that that win carries them uh, on the road to Georgia, and they're able to take down Mike White, um, in Athens. Despite recent evidence of Missouri winning in Athens being uh, more of an outlier, um, let's just say that they they have a two and zero week. That'll do. That at least puts 500 on the, you know, on the table for them. It, again, I think you want to get to 10. Historically, that's been the right number for SEC teams, but get to nine and at least feel like you know, you've taken the absolute worst case scenario off the board. So that, that'd be my hope. I think tomorrow night it'll be a tight one. I think they'll get enough shooting. This team has tended to shoot better at home. I think that they, you know, they've shown early on they've been able to manufacture some good looks. They got some good looks against Auburn. They got some transition possessions against, you know, Texas A&M. So against teams that are similar to Mississippi State, they've been able to find opportunities early. I think tomorrow night they're able to cash them in. I'm, I'm going to say they get a three or four point win tomorrow. I think it's going to, I do think State will be able to kind of, you know, drag this game a little bit you know, onto their territory, but I think Missouri's going to be able to find enough, you know, at the margin to get a three or four point win. And I'm I'm actually more skittish about what happens at, at Georgia during the weekend. So I, I, you know, just cause I'm naturally, you know, a pessimist at heart, probably I'm going to say one and one <laughs> this week, <laughs> just because this team has so far shown that it doesn't want to make anything easy. So I, I think that they'll, they'll get a good win tomorrow night, but I think they'll, they'll hit some issues on the road. And so you're a little worried about that trip to Athens? Just some size up front. They can rebound. You know, they do turn the ball over a little bit, but you know they're they also I, don't defend all that well. I mean, 
just I've got to see this team play well on the road before I believe they're going to do it. It's, you know, I can look at the numbers and, and think they're going to, they should win this game by five or six or seven, but until they do it, I'm skeptical. And there's enough, you know, points, you know, where I think that they could, they could run into some trouble there and we'll see what they look like, you know, particularly rebounding the basketball. They're going to still have to, you know, deal with you no know, guy like Braylon Bridges on the inside, who I think is a pretty consistent offensive threat and, Bigs who have been able to score inside have been able to find, get some traction on this group. And, you know, McBride can shoot it a little bit. Um, the point guards, you know, got some, you know, plentiful experience there. So I I think, and Missouri is leaky enough defensively too, that I think it could get into a shootout situation and we'll see what they can do. But I, I just... Since I, joining the SEC, Matt, how many times has Missouri won in Athens? Oh, I'm going to say three, three times. That would be incorrect. They have just one win in Athens since joining the SEC. Stegman, uh, a fortress, an utter fortress. <laughs> uh, weirdly enough, they had, so it was uh, 2012, um, 13, their first year. Uh, they played Georgia at home. The next year, uh, they play Georgia at home. Uh, then Kim Anderson took over. Um, oh no, they they ha- went to Georgia in his first uh, year, lost by fifteen. And Frank Case, no, and Frank Case uh, last year. Yeah, they, that's well, right, because they opened up with Georgia, if you remember. Yeah, and lost as everybody was surprised by that, and then went to Georgia and lost as well. Yeah, uh, Kim Anderson um, did not beat Georgia at Georgia. Lost by 24. Uh, and Consul Martin had only two opportunities. Um, they won in 2019. Lost when Lost Tillman. in 21. Without Tillman. So, yeah, it was one singular win. Um, that win, uh, it, that you might remember that game because uh, that was like Missouri kind of late in the season was actually playing pretty well in that. Uh, uh, that that 2019 season, and they went down and just like shot the ball really well. Yeah, uh, Torrance, I think you know had several like second half threes. Yeah, and and they they blew the doors off Georgia. Yeah, they and, they they were three and twelve, and then they got South Carolina at home, beat them by fifteen, then absolutely went into Georgia and blew blew the doors off them. Then lost the season finale at home to Ole Miss, then beat Georgia again. <laughs> On Wednesday, ah, Missouri's Missouri and Georgia, a Wednesday tradition in Nashville. <laughs> uh, and then that game where they gave Auburn a scare and faded over, the, I think, the four after the under four timeout. So, ah, the 2019 team, one where injuries probably robbed them of four or five wins and at least in an IT bid. Good times. Great. Good, good times. And as I like, I was. Like there's so many like sliding door moments of like the Conzo Martin era, uh, like just wondering if they would ever you know find some good fortune with with health, and they just never really did. That was a so top. Got, that was a borderline. That was a borderline <laughs> top fifty defense in 2019. Borderline top fifty defense that they had, and naturally, given how much. Given they didn't have Mark for an extended period and they didn't have Jonte, not surprising they were 127th in offense. But that 2021 team, 49th in offense, 57th on defense. What we wouldn't get for that right now. Yeah, just just okay on both sides. Um, all right, so we're gonna get out of here. Uh, Matt says one and one. I'm gonna play the role of the optimist and say two and zero. Oh. We'll be back. Uh, next week to talk all about this stuff and see uh, see how things went. Hopefully, we're talking about a uh, nine and seven team in the SEC. Uh, if you did like this podcast, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast feed wherever you download and listen to your podcast. Uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store, um, if you're subscribed, you also get before the box score. Uh, all that stuff beamed directly into your phone. Um, you can also find us on Spotify. Uh, and just as a little heads up, uh, the name of the feed is probably going to be changing a little bit. I think we're going to go back to Rock M Radio. 
there's a little bit of a change happening. I don't think it's going to happen for the at least like another month or so. Um, but Rock and Nation podcast will be going back to Rockham Radio. Um, you can see that coming. The feed should stay the same. Um, the content should stay the same. You're stuck with me and Matt. Um, and again, we're gonna we're gonna make uh, Watkins sit it out until the season's over. Um, just 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 to be safe on the whole jinx part of it. Follow Matt on Twitter at MattJHarris85. You can follow me at Sam T. Snelling. Uh, give Watkins a follow as well at Data Mizzou. He's a chummy fellow. And we'll be back next week with more dive cuts. Until then, thanks for tuning in.